Hey there, I'm Christopher Schoenwald, and welcome to Life As A, a show intently focused on helping people find their professional pathway by exploring and unearthing the details of jobs from around the world. Mastery. This word in the simplest sense, straight from an Oxford dictionary, means comprehensive knowledge or skill in a particular subject or activity. It is a concept that is oh so desired by many, but achieved by so few. Why is that? Well, presumably, it involves a high degree of innate ability, athletic, intellectual, interpersonal, or unique combinations of the like that not all are fortunate enough to possess. Other times, though, there are those who ostensibly are evenly suited as far as potential and skill goes, and yet only one of the two, or a hundred, or thousand, will break through and achieve. Again, why is that? Well, our guest today has a few opinions on this based around his own experiences with mastery and elite performance. Yeah, welcome to the show. So Seth Pepper is an elite mental performance coach. He consults and works with those who strive to get the most out of their own skills and abilities. His clients range from athletes, coaches, and teams within professional sports leagues, including, and get ready for this, the PGA. LGPA, ATP Tour, MLB, NFL, NHL, NCAA, and WTA. His methods and coaching have amounted to the capturing of championships and praise from many. Further, he also speaks to CEOs, their teams, and individuals within high-performance professions and businesses. And the goal for Seth in every case is clear, accessing each person's unlimited potential. Now, Seth himself comes from the world of high performance and accomplishment. He's held sponsorship from the biggest names in sport, including Nike, due in part to his accomplishments not limited to the following. Two-time national champion swimmer, 23-time All-American athlete, Pan Pacific Games gold medalist, World University Games gold medalist, university record holder in seven events, held title of fourth fastest swimmer in the world by the age of 20. Oh. And I might add, he took up swimming when he was 14. Yeah, well past the age most proven performers do so. And according to Seth himself, it was not only his physical skill which helped propel him to such heights, but also his mental approach to it all. And it is this base experience incorporating his own athletic journey that he uses as a model and inspiration for his clients to pass on his own learnings and mental performance techniques. So with all that stated, Seth, I mean, I've had this uh, circled in the calendar for the last little while. I'm really excited for this talk. Yeah. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you. Uh, I'm looking forward to this as well. Yeah, I'm doing well. Thank you. Yeah, again, your accomplishments sort of speak for themselves. So I'm excited to, to get into all of this. Uh, in terms of all that, yeah, I mean, I've got the first segment lined up. It's something called Coloring Wikipedia. And as my listeners know, basically what I do here is I just read off a definition of the guest profession, sometimes their industry, what they do. And I find it's just kind of a nice jumping off point into the whole talk. Sometimes these definitions are spot on. Other times they're off as well. Sometimes too, like you might hold a title of, you know, whatever you're doing, but then somebody else who holds the exact same title puts their stamp on it in a different way. And it sort of amounts to something different. So it's just like a nice launching pad into this uh, discussion. So with that in mind, I do have you down here for a mental performance coach. And unfortunately, Wikipedia is going to let us down here. They didn't actually have anything. There's no entries for this, unfortunately. 
So I did a bit of internet sleuthing and uh, I found a, a website called Peak Sports and I did come up with a definition. So I'm just going to read that off quickly and just within the context of all that you do, maybe you could uh, think about that and then uh, comment after. Does that sound all right? Yes, it sounds great. Okay, well, here we go. Mental performance coach. Mental performance coaches teach athletes specific mental skills and strategies to improve focus, develop stable confidence, manage performance anxiety, and learn how to deal with daily challenges of being a competitive athlete. Short and sweet. First take, what do you think of that? Yeah, it's a, you know, it's it's funny because it it sounds accurate. You know, my short version of all of this the space that I end up working in a lot is just helping people get out of their own way. So mm, yeah. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it kind of just boils it right down to, to the issues, I suppose, that most people probably have. And when it comes to like mentally preparing themselves and, you know, putting themselves in the best position to succeed, it really probably is just that it's this decluttering, if anything, right? Your thoughts and negative mm -hmm. sort of emotions. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. I mean, if, there were anything or was there anything you would add to the definition or you just like to keep it as simple as that? Definitely includes a lot of other areas to that, that you're supporting, you know, kind of being there for me. I mean, I, I'm just speak very simple, you know, I, I deal with people that are, there's, there's a lot on the line and um, it's under high pressure. And so it has to be something that, they can go to it's easily accessible and easy to remember so a lot of times um you know what i learned in books didn't really serve what actually happened you know out i like to call it the battlefield right the battlefield of of performance so speaking from real life experience has really i think been beneficial to kind of cut through any sort of noise have you found over the course of your career like drawing off, of course, you just referenced that, like your own experiences, I suppose. And then as you've developed in the course of your career, you know, taking ideas from perhaps science, from others that you've worked with, has that sort of been molded into what you do now? Or is it, would you say like the base still comes from your own early uh, experiences with mastery and accomplishment? Well, you know, for me personally, I was always interested in this. It's just the way as a child, I would watch, I, I, my mom was manic depressed my, my whole life. So that created a curiosity of, you know, why am I mo so motivated and why is my mom, you know, like, what's the contrast and trying to understand that better. I've always been one of those people, very optimistic, always wanting to strive to be the best and, you know, curious about people that aren't and under, you know, trying to understand the differences and. So I was always the kid trying to, you know, convince all of us that, hey, we can jump the bike farther. Let's <laughs> let's try it. Let's make the jump bigger. Let's think differently. You know, uh, I've been like that ever since I was a little kid. And so that's kind of where I, I come from. And I'm doing the same thing, just, you know, doing it with adults. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Slightly different scale here. But yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I've never really considered it that way or heard it kind of put out that way in that sense yeah really really interesting and i know we have or i have some questions lined up later on to kind of dig into that a little bit deeper but before we do so maybe we can slide on over into this next segment something called pathways and uh this one kind of speaks to the point where you were just you know referencing in terms of how 
you, know, you ended up in this profession essentially, and you just sort of spoke about some of your formative experiences in childhood. But maybe there was a bit more in there as well along the way that's kind of directed you or led you down this pathway. Definitely, um, I I started my you know whole journey as far as like sports are concerned personally i i did it out of this curiosity i started late when i was 14 as you mentioned um so i've looked at my personal journey as being more like a mental experiment is how i kind of have labeled it and from that i was able to help my brother to you know i became a national champion i helped my brother to become a national champion he started even later he started when he was 17 and so I've used this, you know, this way of, I guess you should just say, just um, viewing life and going after what you really want in life. I've helped myself, my brother, others that are athletes, coaches, Netflix film director, fashion designer, all kinds of people from all walks of life, as you said, CEO, coach, you know, things like that. And it's been fascinating to be able to basically apply the understanding of performance across the board. I like mm. to say performance is performance, right? And, you know, it's, it fits across all different types of genres. In terms of, I guess, you know, your rise to, you know, the course of what you've done and your accomplishment, again, I kind of lightly reference that off the top but maybe you kind of fill in some of those gaps i think it'd be interesting for listeners to hear a little bit more about that and selfishly for myself as well you know yeah yeah well, okay so when i started i was 14 and i had this curiosity of the olympics and so i sat and in front just like everybody else in front of a tv trying to decide which sport i was going to go after and so i'm from a small town in oregon and I knew that I needed to choose a sport that I would have access to. Process of elimination, I came up with swimming. I watched swimming to get to the point where someone had just won the gold medal. And I remember they were asking her, if someone out there wants to do what you just did, what would you recommend? And once I heard that, that was the question that was in my head. I said, whatever she says, that's it. I'm going to do that. And so... She mentioned that she came through the YMCA program. So I went down to the local Y and walked up to the head coach and said, I want to go to the Olympics. Can you help me? And he kind of chuckled. And then he asked if I knew how to swim. And I said, no. And so he laughed. That was a full laugh. So I started, you know, humble beginnings, you know, started with like little eight-year-olds. And here I was, um, freshman in high school, you know, so lot taller, at least twice their height. And I was just learning. I didn't know how to swim. Actually, you know, it, it, it all works together. So what looked like a disadvantage of starting late actually became an advantage. Um, and especially now, because a lot of times when you talk about how do people get in their own way, a lot of what's happening is that they're trying to control the, the results, which are a lot of times out of our control. They, a lot of times they have a fear of failure, right? And so when I started so late, I was in a constant state of failure. That's all it was, was failing all the time, but I had no other choice. So for me, I just started, you know, processing information and getting better, learning. And so that's what I try to help people now is change their relationship to failure and be able to become the student 
of whatever it is of life of that performance and allow it to teach you and to really lean into failure that you know as we like to say fail your way to the top so you know that's been really rewarding and and so starting at 14 um, my dad handed me a book that was about the mind you know it was about memory they had this study in there it was the germans and they were doing this basketball research where one group was physical training only another group was a mix of physical and mental and that was the first time i'd ever heard that you could actually train your mind and i got curious and then there was another group that didn't even touch a basketball all they did was just the mental training results came back physical only was the lowest mixed group was the highest and then this group that didn't touch a basketball was only just a little bit below the top group So immediately I was like, okay, so I'm going to train my mind and I'm going to train my body. So my start, my beginning, my foundation came from, I'm going to use my mind as a sort of like X factor, right? It's just going to excel my, my growth. So already I was in this state of constant failure, being a student, you know, and then now I'm going to use the mind. And from there, you know, I was able to just I did all kinds of things with my mind, tricking myself into believing that I was, you know, there's this phrase or understanding that if you lie enough to yourself, you'll believe it, right? Yeah. So I use that to my advantage. And so I was constantly convincing myself that I was faster than I was, you know, constantly doing the mental training, constantly, you know, messaging, all these different things. And eventually... By the time I was a senior in high school, I won the state championship. So in four years, I became the state champion. That's, that's yeah, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was, and it was always very, very quick, you know, going through all this, the progression, I was yeah. constantly pushing the envelope. No, really quickly, sorry to, to interject there. I think one thing that, uh, that you know, struck me right away, and you're speaking of when you joined this, rewinding a bit, join their swimming classes at the Y, you know, and you're this 14 year old kid and you're with these, you know, these, these eight year olds essentially and talking about failure, failure over and over and over. Also too, it kind of struck me that maybe once you started to get the hang of things, you know, of course, just physically being superior, you know, more developed, able to, to put things together, probably success started to come for you there as well. And maybe mentally on that side of things, like, obviously, you know, you're older than the rest of these kids, but still you start to see like, well, yeah, I can actually do this. And that sort of maybe fed into this as well, starting to develop confidence in, in that. Sense. I don't know if I'm on something yeah. there or not, but uh, I could envision at least those types of things. Also, aside from just the failure sort of like in your relationship with that, also your relationship with success, perhaps starting to develop as well, little by little. Am I yeah. anything there or is that? Yeah, I like, I like the way you think. I like what you're saying. And it, it definitely, you know, a lot of times when we have a lot of fear of failure initially, then once you get a further along, it's interesting. It's the same coin, as I like to say. The other side of the coin is fear of success. So I was constantly pushing the envelope to be able to say, okay, well, if I did this and just think what I could do next. And so I was constantly, you know, I remember, uh, you know, guys that were on the team would say, you can't keep taking two seconds off every season. And, you know, my response to them was, why not? I'm the one that decides that. Yeah, exactly. And I was able to do that. I was able to, and that's what I help people with is a lot of times, 
you know, I became fascinated with with the subconscious mind. You know, as I like to say, the subconscious mind doesn't know the difference between possible and impossible, right? We're the ones that create the filter. And so I was constantly pushing that envelope. And so I, I would always say and, you know, be in this sort of state of exploration where it's like, well, why not? You know, why can't I do that? You know, let's see how far we can push this. And, you know, was able to to do things that people just thought were completely impossible. And so now I encourage others to do the same thing and make these quick transitions. And then I already set the stage, you know, like someone that I helped get into the NBA, you know, I just met him. I didn't know he was having a tryout. I could see that he had blockages. Yeah. So I gave him a tool that could kind of help him to go to this practice and the mm. practice ended up being a tryout for the for the NBA. And he came back and he said, I made it. I made it. And I was like, what do you mean you made it? Well, I'm on one of the top teams in the NBA. And so immediately I knew that there could be this resistance to the success now. So I said, okay, well, now that you made it, you know, if you think it's a big deal, you're only going to be there for a week, right? So we created this little mantra between us, which is, it's no big deal because you're the real deal. So that he's constantly, you got to believe that you actually, you know, should be there. Otherwise you will find a way to sabotage it. Yeah. So the relationship between fear of failure and then fear of success has been really, really interesting. Just mm. helped someone in the LPGA to go from not winning in 12 years of being on tour to mm. winning. And they they have four days of competition. And so two days into the competition, she's in the lead by a lot. And so we've gone through fear of failure in the past. And now it's like, okay, I don't want to mess this up. <laughs> it's a whole different game so almost, now, isn't it? Yeah. So when she reached a point where she was able to say, I've learned so much about myself through this experience. I don't care if I win or lose. Then I knew she was ready to win and she won. So it's a, it's a strange relationship because it's a rarefied space where, that you're operating from because most people would say, what do you mean fear of success? But when you're right there, right there, and you're going to see your life dreams just sitting there, yeah. you know, that's where all, oh my gosh. It's oh. a lot of pressure right there for sure. And managing those emotions to, to keep producing essentially is uh yeah it becomes a, a major well obstacle for some yeah the feelings are they they're connected to thoughts and the thoughts a lot of times the feelings are very blown up because you have extreme pressure right mm -hmm. so the feelings don't and they don't make sense they're just there and that's mm -hmm. what we work through they're just feelings right yeah. they feel really real because they're your feelings right but they're no more real than my feelings, right? Mm -hmm. I could be in the same situation and feel something opposite to you. So allow that feeling to be and then follow the thought that's connected to the feeling. And a lot of times that thought, it's going to be irrational. And it could, you know, a lot of times it's worst case scenario, catastrophizing is what we call it, right? Under this extreme pressure. And if we can navigate that, then we can get them ourselves out of the way. Right. And yeah. just accept that. And and that's when we get to that next level. Sounds like a degree of mindfulness, just being aware of your own thoughts. Uh, you know, the ones that are going to be constructive and the ones that are going to kind of like take you down or deconstructive in that sense. 
And also too, like in just listening to, to what you've been explaining, it sounds as though like you yourself maybe innately have always been fairly cerebral. You'd already sort of mentioned this at a young age, you know, noticing the relationship with your mother and some of those things on that side, the personal side, but then also your own journey, your athletic journey along the way, reading literature, listening to interviews of others and really deeply considering it and then thinking how you might be able to apply this information. Would you say that sort of, well, one, that that was sort of innate, you know, part of your personality. And then two, that's been something that you actively sort of started to develop further. Like, okay, well, this is a strength for me. I'm going to, I'm going to dive into this. I'm going to lean into this hundred percent along the way. And that's just sort of like also led to your pathway of where you've ended up right now. Would you, would you say that's accurate or? Yeah, I definitely would. It's a combination of, of that, all of that, because you know, for me, I've said this for a long time that I believe that there's a blueprint of greatness is what I like to call it. So in this process of wanting to figure out or, you know, observe these patterns of expansion and contraction, you're going to start seeing patterns that work, you know, and you're going to see the goats, the greats, and you're going to, you know, and, and a lot of times when you see the sports channel, they're showing highlights they're not talking about the process. They're not talking about the journey, right? The stuff behind the scenes when those people were training and doing all the, the tough work when no one was around, right? Mm -hmm. Except for maybe a coach and maybe some teammates. And so when you dig into that and you start to go, oh, wait, this person over here, even though he's perceived as this big showboater, he's actually a student. And that show that he's putting on is intentional that he's completely scripted and he's actually a journaler and he actually meditates and he actually does a lot of these other things that these other greats do. Right. And so I, I bring those together and, you know, like I've used Kobe Bryant, one of the goats as a good archetype. Right. And his Mamba mentality that he lived by rule. Number one is obsession is not an option. Right. When you want to be great at something, a healthy version of obsession is necessary because you got to fall in love with what you're doing. And when you fall in love, you're going to become curious, right? You're going to be vulnerable. You're going to be going through the process of learning. And so I naturally do that because I don't know any different, right? right. So I was not the kid over playing, you know, games and running around with other kids my age i was the kid that was sitting right next to the coach asking him questions and then sitting next to another coach and asking him questions and cross-referencing you know that's always been my way i don't think that's the way but that's my way right and so you know it makes sense to me now that i piece these together and i go oh wait okay i think we have something here because i always feel like we're exploring this together there's something that organically is happening between me and each person. And, you know, I talk a lot about the flow state being in the zone, you know, optimal performance, that state. And, and what's interesting about that is that it's uncomfortable to get into that, right? It's like, I call it surfing the wave, you know, it has to be a big wave that kind of has this sort of like, oh, here we go, you know? And so I selfishly have to get into the flow state as much as they, right? So probably in your podcast, right? 
Yeah. You have these great conversations when you're kind of uncomfortable too. Like, yeah, I know what I'd like to talk about, but I don't know exactly where this, this conversation is going to go. So I'm the same way in coaching. Like I know, you know, what I'd like to talk about and what could be helpful, but there might be something that's a little more important that just sort of happens on its own. And we need to follow that. And it sounds like it's a degree of positioning you know, positioning yourself to get into that state, positioning yourself to to take advantage of it as well, once it does sort of like develop and, and come about. And this kind of leads me into the next segment. I found this quote on your website, and I'm just going to read it off for you and of course for listeners. And it, it reads as follows, knowing who you are outside of performance increases your performance. And tell me about that. Yeah. Well, part of my story is that I did go on to achieve a lot. So I won the national championship and another, you know, a number of the other things that you mentioned earlier. The part, and you asked a question earlier that I should answer, I think a little more in depth. I didn't go to be what I am today, right? I, I had achieved a lot and then I struggled with okay so i know who seth the swimmer is but i have no clue who seth is right so i went through this transformative time it was very very difficult anyone who's been through it it's like you know it's it's like a rebirth you know like you have to have almost a death and then a rebirth and so i started over i had no choice i started having debilitating panic attacks right so Luckily, I was uh, at the time I lived in Los Angeles. So I went to UCLA. They had a program for repeat exposure, which is a group, you know, a situation where everyone's really supportive in a lot of journaling, a lot of just talking through, you know, trying to work through the triggers of fear. And, you know, that was transformative. Wonderful mm -hmm. people from all walks of life. We all came together to support each other in this small group. And I, it was a blessing, right? Every, weakness becomes a blessing if you you know go through the journey at least that's my belief and so what i learned from that experience of these debilitating panic attacks like i couldn't get in the car and drive down the street without you know full blown panic attack having to pull the car over walk around the block for like 3 hours just to wear my system out to get in the car and drive a little bit further i mean like very extreme and so what I learned through the process of like, where is this coming from? It came from, in my understanding of it, was that it came from me trying to control things that were outside of my control. So when I was an athlete, I could control that, it seemed, right? And when I was done, I wanted to control life. And life has a way of anytime you try to control it to some degree, it spins out of your control. Right. And a panic is trying to control things that you can't control and it just gets further and further away from you. So the blessing became that I had to let go. The only control you get is by accepting that you don't have control. So that became the blessing. So during the rebirth of becoming a parent and doing other things in life, I was around other parents and, you know, I stayed in the same town as the university that I went to. And so some of them had been to the university and they said, hey, uh, are you the same Seth Pepper that's up on the wall? You know, all these awards and records and stuff. And I said, yeah, that's like a past life, right? Yeah. 
So then they asked me, well, you know, what is it? Tell me. And so I told them, you know, the versions that you're, you're hearing, you were hearing earlier. And then when they heard that and all the wins and losses, especially the losses and the rebirth, they said, I think you could really go and help people. And so it was other parents at this, at, at the school really started to see the value even before I could see the value. And then once I started telling my story and working with people and then, you know, realizing, oh, wait, I got something here. I, I, I can actually help people to perform and, and go after their dreams and make them reality. Right. Uh, I just thought everyone thought like that. Right, 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 right. <laughs> it, it wasn't the case. And so, yeah, that that's kind of the reward. Mm, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, it, it kind of a nice reflection on life. Like, I, I like that point. There's certain things that we can control and there's a ton that we can't. And it's, it's recognizing that. But then also too, like that notion of, of the world that you lived in within the athletic side as well, being an area that, you know, you, you had a high degree of control in, and then you yeah. know, life and everything that's thrown at us. Yeah, it, it's those two worlds are juxtaposed constantly. You know, and if you're bouncing in between them, it's probably not so difficult to to have some of those worlds sort of like mix and sort of you know, you mentally get confused between the two at times, right? Like I can control this aspect in this sphere, but over here you try to do so and you can't. You just can't, yeah. right? And that, that that creates some conflict there, no doubt. So yeah, and 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 the the balance that you're working on, you know, to go back to the quote that you were asking about, is that. Once you understand who you are outside of the performance, right, yeah. then you create this counterbalance of, oh, okay, so, you know, and this is what I always try to work with people on right away and build a foundation based on it is that you're a human being, not a human doing, right? And so human beings are allowed to fail, you know, so, so we're going to embrace our failures, allow ourselves to be a human being first, and then the doing becomes intentional. Then we can say, I am choosing to do this. And that changes everything. Because if you feel like you are the doing, then what happens when the doing starts to move towards failure? Then all of a sudden, your life's getting out of control. And then all of a sudden, your identity and and on and on and on. And that's when, you know, and that's usually where I start with people is like, they, they say, oh, one thing will go wrong. And then all of a sudden, these thoughts and this conversation starts to happen. And then it's like off to the races and it's like, oh, here we go again, you know, because the, the identity is in the doing rather than the being. Right. These, these sessions that you have with these athletes or even, you know, business leaders themselves, I'm sure it varies person to person based on their own skill development, mental mastery and all, all sorts of things. But generally, like, I mean, getting into some different areas here, like concepts and ways of thinking and deconstructing, reconstructing thoughts and ideas. How involved is this with some of these athletes? Like, how long are you working with them? Or is it indefinite? Like, maybe we could dive into the weeds just a little bit here in terms of that side of things. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, for me, I, I, I want to be there and help them through, you know, some transformative times. And so there is the progression of, you know, where are they in the season? It could be, you know, like with the golfer that I mentioned earlier, she just had back surgery a couple of years before, was considering retirement. So, you know, now she's considered this mentally fierce warrior. And I remember asking her, you know, what, what everyone has this perception of you, you're very intimidating, 
right? How did we build that? How'd you, how'd you build that? Right. She said, you know, long conversations of crying and being myself and, you know, those sort. And, you know, to me, that just is fascinating. The process that we go through of being able to, you know, go through a transition where you think that your livelihood is, is going to, you know, be over along with an identity. And then you go through the transformation of being more than that, you know, the doing. And you build up this understanding of like, okay, well, I'm a human being and I'm also really good at this craft. So the journey is one of those things that yeah, I guess everyone's a little bit different. I, I like to, my, my coach was the Olympic coach. He was head of USA swimming as well, eventually. So all of Michael Phelps's five Olympics. And so he coached the best of the best. And I remember asking him, you know, you know, was there one personality type that you would say was the top performer, you know, type? And he said, if you could plot them like dots on a star map and draw a circle around them, right? All of my best athletes were always on the edge, but they were all extremes of, you know, whatever it was, extreme extrovert, introvert. And so for me, in, in that speaks to it's more of an art than it is a science. I was fortunate to have two really great coaches towards the end of my career. And both one actually was a professional artist as well. And that artistry of the coaching was really, really key because he treated us all different, right? At times that was very frustrating because I, you know, why isn't she training as hard as me? Yeah, <laughs> you know that sort of comparison thing. Yeah, but then you know, eventually I I had to accept and learn that everyone's a little bit different. So, yeah, the process is is been fascinating to be able to. I don't know if I could put my finger on and say, you know, it's it's this long. I've I get results quickly. I will say this: I tend to work with very intelligent, sensitive people. And I think the reason to that is probably because those sort of things are incredibly powerful tools, but they're also incredibly destructive tools when they're out of balance. So, you know, that's, that's what I tend to work with. <laughs> mm, mm. I imagine now too, like just based on your own accomplishment and probably your client list now too, you're probably at this point where you're selecting as much as like the the clients are selecting you, you're kind of selecting who you'd like to work with that are people that you just said and you know, are going to be people that you could see that you could get quick results with in reference to what you're saying. You know, people are a bit different. No, you bring up a good point. You know, I, to me, the flow state, everyone has an understanding that may be a little bit different. To me, the flow state comes out of a sense of urgency, right? And so when I feel like that person cares that's the essential. I have to, you know, obsession is, you know, you just have to care about at least figuring it out. You may be in a transition of, I don't know if I care about this, but I might care about something else. That's fine. But be curious. And so, yes, you know, if I'm falling asleep, it's probably because <laughs> someone on the other end is just walking through the steps and you know, that's what I like to make clear is that most of our relationships, whether we know it or not, are, you know, like teachers, we're trying to get a good grade, 
bosses were trying to get, you know, a promotion. Maybe even our mates were trying to say the right thing so we don't get in trouble, you know, <laughs> on and on. But in this relationship, I want to hear the truth. I want to hear, you know, kind of what what's really going on unfiltered. And so that's what I look for is the raw. I'm just so used to people going out to the battlefield and coming back with results. And I'm totally fine with this did not work at all whatsoever. Awesome, right? Because we're processing the feedback and we're going to find something that does, right? I've got this next question here that I'm really curious to, to learn a little bit more about. And uh, it involves, I guess, again, of course, you know, mastering performance. And some of the clients that you do work with, you know, lightly listen to those off, NFL, MLB, you've spoken already about this. I'm curious to know whether or not, like... The, the approaches that you use for mental performance are broadly applied or based on a particular sport, for example. Of course, like one sport is going to physically have different demands, but even at times too, you might have different sort of mental demands as well based on the pace and intensity of the actual sport and the way it's just played. Like, is that something or do these you know, techniques or these approaches broadly apply across the board? There, there are a lot of broad applications and, you know, across the board where we all have to get clear on what would, you know, what motivates us. So goals, short term, midterm and long term, all of us, when there's an opportunity, you know, something's at stake, there's going to be pressure involved. So what's your relationship to failure? What's your relationship to success? And what's your relationship to pressure? Right. Yeah those sort of things and appreciation of the flow getting in the zone. Yeah. The, and, and, but definitely every sport has a different feel to it. I mean, I work with um, someone that's going for the world record in lifting, you know, the strong man. Right. And so that has a level of intensity where it's one, you know, very tiny moment of explosiveness. And then a golfer will take four days of five hours of competition each day so that's 20 hours right so different type of mental demand i would suspect at least you know i follow sports myself i've you know, played as well to, to a degree and that sort of fascinates me as well it's just what you're explaining right there that there is that degree of variation but also at the same time like you know those things that you were just speaking about as well like the, those do broadly apply i'm curious I guess, in terms of your sessions with these athletes, like to what degree, like what ratio are we looking at, generally speaking, broad sort of approaches down to these sort of like pinpointed, you know, customized approaches based on the sport themselves. I don't know if you could break it down. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> well, definitely. Um, you know, what's interesting about it, at least for me, is that I like to say we're not just working on your performance, you know, skills, we're working on life skills. So a lot of what we're actually working on, I'll encourage them to use them in everyday life because the pressure is lower, but it's still there. And so, you know, if, for instance, if they're driving age, you know, when you drive, when someone cuts you off, right, how are you dealing with that? Are you allowing that to get to you and change your mood, even though you have no control over that person and how they drive, right? And using those times in everyday life so that we can handle those situations better and focus on, okay, what do I have control over? And when you get that right, it could be simple things, you know, um, making your bed in the morning, right? That's a great opportunity to actually 
performed positive self-talk. It's, uh, you know, also a time when you can actually create momentum, you know, out of something that you actually control from there, tying your shoes, brushing your teeth. These seem like little things, but actually, yeah, you're building up momentum throughout the day. And then when you are that top performer out there on the court, the course, the, you know, the, the boardroom, it will play out so that you can actually build off of that momentum from your everyday life into this peak performance space. And so I think there's just, that's what fascinates to me because at first, when I first, first started, I probably would have started with this assumption that it's going to be a special, you know, each person's going to be very different from each other. And I would go on these podcasts and I would tell my story and then someone would contact me and they'd say, I just like the way you think. I like the way you talk. Could could you work with me like you would work with an athlete? So um, that happened with Formula One racing. I was on a podcast for, for F1 and I had two different people. One was a business person and the other in Norway and then another person and there was a Netflix film director. And they both asked, will you coach me like you would coach an athlete? Let's do it. And so the business person, they went from the bottom of sales all the way to the top of sales, fastest growing tech company in Europe. They doubled second place, right? To the point where now I've worked with him for years and he's been offered a C-suite position of this company because he's gone from being, you know, as, as I like to say, you were the player when you were the salesperson. And now that you're C-suite, you're now the coach. Right. So same, you know, references to sports and same thing with the uh, Netflix film director. Once we worked with, you know, and I worked with him pre-production, production, production, you know, so as he's on the set having sessions and then post when they're editing and putting it out there and publicizing it, you know, and here he has multiple millions of dollars at stake. And was he dealing with pressure? Right. And then when he makes pressure, his friend versus something that, oh, I got to get this right. I have to be, you know, perfect. Then all of a sudden his world just shifted and he was, ah, I want more of this. There's more opportunity where there's more pressure. I want more of this. And, you know, the, the film came out and it was number two on the planet for Netflix, number two on the planet. And I'd coached all of these people the same way. And we were all going through the human experience. So that's fascinating. It's fascinating. Like how 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 is it, how do you not get pulled into this world even deeper? Like I, I could see it just being like this passion driven sort of like enterprise eventually for you. You know that like you seeing these results. I mean, getting these results for people not only within the, the sports world you're speaking of, but now like transitioning into the business world as well. Yeah, it must yeah. be. You know, you feel like you're unlocking something there, uh, obviously. And uh, there's, there has to be a certain degree of reward, you know, in, in experiencing this, you know, again and again and again. And obviously in this journey, I'm sure, too, you have clients that, you know, experience failure from time to time. And you'd already reference that and come back to the drawing board, essentially. And like, OK, well, this approach wasn't working. All right, let's figure out something that will work. And then eventually working through these issues and finding that level of success becomes your degree of success as well. Uh, yeah, I can see it just being a highly, highly rewarding sort of journey that you're constantly on yourself. It, it is. Um, there's a there's a level that 
that I've been described with humility. There's a humility to it, though, right? If if any at any time, if I think it just comes from me, then I think it becomes detached and it becomes about me. And it's not. It's about them. They are they are the warrior out in in the battlefield. At the end of the day, they fought the battle. I'm here. I love the fact that I can help, right? But I have to be honest that they're transparent. It's not comfortable. It's it's almost like the lie detector is if I get complacent, if I think that I have this wave figured out, then I get rigid and I'm no longer surfing that wave of the zone, the moment, the flow. And And then the inspiration isn't there. And so I'm always, I don't know any other way, right? It's real for me. Like there's a sense of urgency like to it. And that feeds the creativity, that feeds the next solution, because it's never really the, exactly the same, right? And I have clients that come back to me and say, that was good, but it's got to be different, right? You know, like the the golfer is a great example, because she, for, for I was sharing some successes with, in, in going, oh, this person did this, and this person, and Netflix director, and this, and this, and they're doing the same thing you're doing. Thinking this was building up the confidence, but what it was doing for her and her personality was no, it actually, it's making this comparison. And this is before she had won. And I don't like the way it makes me feel because I feel like I'm, I've let you down or I've let myself down because I haven't More won. Pressure. Yet. She's piling on herself. Yeah. 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 So, so she came up with this rule and she said, I don't want to say the word win. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I don't want any comparisons to anyone. So please don't tell me about anyone else. So I'm like, okay, we're working on winning and I can't say the word and I can't talk about anyone else's success. Okay, game on. And reinvent your game a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and we did it, right? We did it that way without using the word win and no comparisons. It's just being, you know, for her, locked into what she was doing, oblivious to the other scores and just working on, as you started the show with, mastery, yeah. you know, yeah, trying to get better but- about her craft. Yeah, yeah. I like that point they raised of of this humbleness towards your craft and what you're doing. You know, I think that speaks to this growth mindset. It's like, you know yourself, you don't have the answers to everything. <laughs> Always, right? But yeah. you're constantly growing, you're constantly evolving and just being exposed to, I'm sure, all these different types of people who somebody you were just mentioning right there. Like you're picking up different approaches, different ways of interpreting the world. And then taking a little bit from here, maybe a little bit from this past client, and then repackaging it up to make it apply, perhaps, for this individual who has need A, B, and C. And uh, yeah, I could see how that would be rewarding as well, how you're constantly evolving yourself and growing and uh, and, and, and adding to, to your own base knowledge as well. So yes, I have to. I bet. Uh, yeah, we're just flying through this talk. <laughs> I've got like a million more questions. I just don't think we're going to get to them all. But I do want to get into this water cooler story segment. And maybe we go with a brief sort of version of something that is representative. You've already shared a few different stories already. But is there anything else meaningful that's that stood out over the course of your career that you'd like to share? Okay, <laughs> I can't say I'm not going to cuss. Um, but it involves the F word, right? So I'm just going to say F. No, I'm not going to say the word. Okay, so I had been second my sophomore year, you know, so my sixth year of swimming. And then I had been second my third uh, or my third year of college, so my junior year. So I'd been second twice in the nation and then my senior year. So this is it. 
final race, final race of my college career. And I remember saying, just something snapped inside me. And I just said, F it all, right? F this race, F these people, F all of it, right? And my aunt who had never seen me compete, she's a, a nurse from New York City, never been to a swim meet. She just said, I knew you had won just by how you stood so solid behind the start. And it was this transition. And, you know, I dove in the water and I almost broke the American record by one inch. And I, I was going so fast, all the timing of the turns and everything was off. I was like, it was like this other gear that I didn't even know existed. And my coach, had, he, would, he had been a great champion as well, world champion and gold medals and all that. And he used to say when I was getting second, he'd like, why are you apologizing for your greatness? And I was like, what? I'm out here busting my butt. I've trained harder than, you know, what is he talking about, right? And then when that switch went off, you know, the I call it the effort switch, right? Like, that's what he was talking about. And, and so the realization, these two switches from second place to champion was breaking the rules, basically. And the rules were inside of me. They weren't outside of me, right? I was the one that had those rules. And when I said F it all, I broke all the rules. And so when that golfer won, I was just telling you about that hadn't won in 12 years in their entire career as a professional. That's what I, I told her that story. And I said, tomorrow, F it all, right? And that's what we called it, the F it switch, right? And so that's what I try to do for people is let's break all those rules, our rules inside that hold you down and go to the other side. Let's, let's see what's on the other side. Ah, yeah, I love it. I love it. I can see how, like, you know, working, you're, you're working me up here, Seth. Like I'm, I'm ready to go out and yeah. <laughs> no, but I can see this. Like, I, you know, joking aside, like I, sometimes it's these simple sort of like revelations that people need. It, it strikes me as, you know, like the, yeah. the skill, obviously, like some of the people that you're working with is obviously inherently there. And it's just, it's managing what's up top, you know, it's, it's breaking through and just finding ways to like deconstruct some of these like thoughts that aren't helping that person achieve and then once yeah. you can sort of like at least identify what those barriers are then that's when like the magic starts to happen and like in your story and then with that that golfer herself too i mean it's really yeah. really quite fascinating like how just it's this oftentimes that can really like break through and allow for uh high levels of uh, success to occur yeah yeah. Fascinating stuff. yeah it is and it's and it really is that simple i like to say um you know, power hides in the obvious, right? Mm, mm, it's right yeah. there. It's as simple as your breath, right? Just like a nutritionist might say, hydrate, just drink water. It's free. At least it used to be free, right? Like it's so simple and it's the most essential thing that you need to do. So yeah, it's right there. Well, maybe we could transition to this last segment here really quickly. And it is, you know, hinged on the future, crystal ball segment, trans prediction, so on and so forth what we're typically looking at here and to this point like we focused a lot on just you know sort of like cerebral sort of thoughts and and, and working oneself through emotions and whatnot be curious about moving forward in terms of the industry that you're working within you know technology i don't know how much you're utilizing or leveraging that is there any like chatter within the industry in terms of you know improving performance with athletes you know ones that you work with perhaps or even within business as well 
uh, involving technology at all? Technology has been interesting. Um, you know, the heart is is such a great source of inspiration. So, you know, mindfulness, as you brought up earlier, of being able to meditate. I think being able to monitor your system, you know, in real time, I think is really powerful. So there's all kinds of the aura ring. There's the the watch, the app, you know, where you can actually just see your vitals live. I think that's can be really transformative for people when they can actually sit and be quiet for a moment and see the effects in real time. That that's a big deal. I think in the space in general, whether it's a technology, you know, like a a, a tool that you use or like a physical tool, or it's just the appreciation. I think right now mental health is becoming such, you know, a big concern across the board where I think that there's a a nexus, you know, uh, there's a crossover between mental performance and then also mental health. And so that's what I've intentionally done in my approach, because I know that if you don't understand that you're a human being first and a human doing second, and you choose to do, then we're going to have mental health issues later. And so I think that that's the technology that I think is really key is we're starting to see like people and organizations and companies really say, okay, we need to take care of our people, right? And when I get up and, you know, when I, I make presentations, I did it with business school just recently and I get up and I go, okay, I'm just going to take you through a session. Like, you know, we kind of went through some of these subjects together today I'll have someone that says, I, you know, a business leader say, I want you to talk to my leadership. You know, I want you to, and I'm going to use sports as a reference, right? It's just a good metaphor, and whether you're an athlete or not. And so we can start to talk about mental health issues and at the same time, mental performance issues and hopefully help people to find their, you know, as Joseph Campbell calls it, find their bliss you know, in that flow state and go into failure, go into pressure, right? Fascinating stuff, Seth, I must say. <laughs> I feel like this talk is just literally blown by and uh, I've just felt raptured by it all. And I'm sure listeners will. So I've got to thank you. I think we are drawing to a close here, but uh, thanks so much for taking some time and joining the show today. It's been a really, really insightful talk. Thank you. I appreciate the space and the conversation. It's been really amazing. Well, for those interested in learning more about Seth and his work, you can check him out on LinkedIn, Instagram, and of course at his website, sethpepper.com. And for reference, all this information will be included in the show notes. Also, if you like today's show, please be sure to share. I mean, that stuff helps. It helps tremendously. You can rate, review, and subscribe wherever you access your podcast. And head on over to YouTube. In the last year, I did launch a channel over there, which hosts the video conversations. And the cool thing there is we'll have some imagery associated with the talks and kind of take it in in a different manner. And of course, don't forget to tune into the next episode of Life as a, where we'll continue to explore and unearth the details of professions and the people behind them. I'm your host, Christopher Schoenwald. Till next time, stay curious about life and living.